If you're a content creator, if you're a business owner, a personal brand thought leader, pretty much anybody who's looking to get more views, looking to get more customers, more leads, more of an online presence for your business, there's nowhere on planet Earth that you need to be more because it has been the engine for my businesses than YouTube. The problem is there's so much bad information out there and businesses and content creators and the like are not getting the type of real information that's practical and applicable to their businesses and their channels. Well, guess what? That all changes today. Guys, we have somebody from the actual source who's here to answer all of our questions so we can get our YouTube channels, our YouTube presence going in 2023 and beyond. I'm not even going to do an intro today, y'all. I'm just going to introduce him right away. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, the YouTube creator liaison, Mr. Rene Ritchie. Rene, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's so great to be here. Thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for your patience. Um, we are so, so excited to have you here. And I just want to jump right into it, Renee, and just go ahead and ask the first Absolutely. question. And YouTube Creator Liaison, talk to us a little bit. This is an interesting title. It's an interesting position at YouTube. For people who have no clue what that means, <laughs> do you mind just giving the short, brief kind of summation of what your role is at YouTube and, and, and what does that exactly imply? Yeah, so Google had a public search liaison. They've had that for a long time. Danny Sullivan, previously of Search Engine Land. Uh, and the idea was that there should be somebody like that at YouTube, somebody who could be a public face to what a lot of outside people, external people, seem sometimes just like this machine, you know, this inhuman machine. Uh, and so the creator liaison role, Matt Koval, had it first. Uh, he did a fantastic job from 2020 to 2022. And it's basically... I, I was a full-time creator for, for several years. I was editorial director for a large uh, tech network. Um, but YouTube wanted to bring someone who was a working like creator into the company uh, to give them sort of perspective on how creative current creators feel about the environment. I maintain my channel still. I upload to it once a week so I can feel the pain of creators like right alongside everybody. And it's my job to advocate, to help advocate inside of YouTube for all creators. And that's just understanding and empathy and how we work and sort of what the bottlenecks are uh, just from a strong creator perspective. And then externally to help educate creators uh, so that they have a better understanding of how YouTube works, which means like less frustration, less stress, and hopefully more success on the platform. Yeah. That's so awesome that you still do that. And by the way, um, we're going to leave a link to uh, the YouTube Creator Liaison YouTube channel. I know you've been doing some awesome stuff with shorts. Those quick 60-second interviews are on fire um, with, with creators and executives alike and, and, and everything YouTube. I just love that. So we're going to leave a link to that in the description and in the uh, uh, pinned comment and show notes. Let me ask you, Renee, just really quickly a tech question because I know you're the tech man and you've been a creator for a long time. I'm a Mac dude. Or I don't know if you're a Mac dude or not, uh, uh, Rene. Are yes, you sir. a Mac guy? Yes, sir. Okay, so so M2 worth it? Yes or no? <laughs> so it depends on what you currently have. Like if you currently have an Intel Mac, then I have absolutely. an M1. I have an M1 yeah. right now. Like, I, to be honest, like in the winter, I miss my Intel Mac because it was a free space heater. Like it <laughs> yeah, would just keep yeah. my coffee warm and it would keep me warm. But if you have an <laughs> M1, 
the only reason you'd want to upgrade is if you're already hitting the limits of the M1. Like if it's right. if you're doing multiple 8K videos a day for client work, or you get like like you're doing music videos and you have the artist on the phone, and you need to turn around uh, like a, a change to them. Like they say, I don't want to dance this way, I want to dance that way, and they have like five minutes, you've got to turn that around. So if you've already hit a bottleneck on M1, then go to M2. Otherwise, there's very few people who really need to make a switch year to year. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, I just, I keep hearing about the, the MacBook M2 and I'm just like salivating with FOMO and I'm like, <laughs> I've got the M1 uh, iMac right now that we're, we're conducting yeah. this stream. And I, it's pretty much all my workflow on my, my YouTube videos, my content creation systems, etc. It's okay, but I could always use faster. I don't know a content creator or business owner who couldn't use faster. So yeah, I'm I'm like I'm like dying with FOMO. But yeah, hey, by the way, well, really the nice thing for that answer, Renee. By the way, I was, guys, I was just gonna say, like, yeah, go ahead. I was like, if you have a base M1, like the very first M1, and you do a lot of video work from the M1 Pro Max and Ultra all the way through M2, they added discrete media engines, which means like they'll do H.264, H.265 and ProRes on a separate set of silicon. So it's almost like you get two Macs. Like traditionally oh. you'll send something off to render and then everything will freeze. Like it'll be slow to browse, right. slow to make thumbnails. On like M M1 uh, Pro Max Ultra and M2 and now M2 Pro and Max, that's all separate. So you can send something off to render and you have a fully functional Mac as well. So that might be a big deal for some people. Oh, now I've got even more FOMO. Thanks a lot, Renee. <laughs> yes. Sorry about that. <laughs> hey, by the way, everybody watching and listening live, and by the way, replay viewers, don't be afraid to not leave your question in the comments because we will answer them. Um, but live viewers, type a capital Q in front of your comment. I'm going to try to get to all your questions. I've even got a lot of people from our email list who've got questions. So we've got plenty of questions. We want to respect the YouTube creator liaison, Renee Ritchie's time. So go ahead and do that in the live chat. And don't forget, hit that thumbs up and share it. Let's get as many people as we can here. So Renee, shorts, I know you get a lot of questions. I know you were on Colin Samir's show, which was awesome. Um, really, really great information there. So it's been about a month and a half, I guess, since short monetization has happened, how satisfied, not satisfied are you and YouTube with the, with the results so far from shorts monetization and how do you measure success? Yeah. So I can only speak for myself because I'm sure there's like a lot of different opinions inside the company, but I am just super excited. Like this is something, and as for additional context, like I'm Canadian. So a lot of the funds for short form creators weren't even available to me. Like I post across platforms and I'm not, I'm not like a YouTube only creator. Uh, and there was just no monetization options available at all. And the thing with creator funds, even when they're available, they're capped. So if as more and more creators make shorts, you're sharing that same amount of money with more and more people, meaning the amount you're getting is smaller and smaller. And what I love about this is that it's done in the traditional YouTube partner program manner, which means it's a it really is a partnership. So it's ad revenue share. And as advertising in shorts increases, so will all the revenue being shared. There's no cap on it. It's limitless. And it is, you know, to your point, it's just starting up. We're a month into it. Uh, I think we've seen a lot of creators rush in as well to it. So like for my personal channel, I said, I'm not even going to look at it uh, <laughs> like for a month or two because I don't want to have any like expectations. I want to let it mature a little bit. And then I want to see how it goes like a month, two or three months down the road. But we've seen like a mix of like really big creators. And we've seen like a lot of like a lot of smaller creators. People are starting to share 
what I think are really relevant stats, and that's what they're making on YouTube versus other short form video platforms. And it looks like they're doing well on YouTube, which I hope continues. Uh, but like, it's, it's, it sounds like a cop out to say it's too soon to tell, too short to tell, but I think it really is. Like the, the long form partner program has been out for so long. This is just so brand new now. I think you're it's spoken like a true YouTuber. I think, I think anybody who's had success on YouTube uh, or calls themselves a YouTuber understands that YouTube is a long game. Um, yeah. You get a lot of people coming in who want success instantly. And, and, you know, I even consult and help, uh, uh, you know, clients with their, with their uh, presence on YouTube. And I always tell them, look, it's, it's, you got to really have a ton of patience. This is a long game. It's not, it's very rare. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Renee, it's very rare to get instant success on YouTube. It happens. It happens. And actually it seems like it's happening more with shorts uh, lately um, relatively speaking, but, uh, you know, uh, it's a definite long game. So I think, I think you're right. I think it's important to look at this with perspective. I think the creator economy is getting bigger and bigger every single day. I think that, uh, all these other platforms that are adopting short form video and trying to find new ways to monetize this is good for us creators, including YouTube, who is the, you know, the, the epicenter of the creator economy. They started the creator economy back in 2007. So this is, uh, this is an awesome time. And I, I want to ask you a tough question though, Renee. Sure. And we got some great questions coming in. DJ Strick. Great Actually, to if see I add you. something Come. really quickly to what you please, just said, please, so by think, all means, like what's really worth pointing out there is uh, one thing to love about shorts is in the old days of YouTube, like the original days, it was like a day in the zoo, but over time, the barrier to entry or how people felt like the competitive environment was getting higher and higher. And you had to like, maybe you felt like you had to compete with Marquez Brownlee on production or with Mr. Beast on thumbnails and shorts is just like, people can dive in like it was those OG days of YouTube. You don't really have to worry that much about a thumbnail. Like on Android, you can pick a frame, but like you can just create and put it out there. And now with things like reply with shorts, because the, the old problem with shorts is the same as other short form video. It's super big for discovery, but not great for communities. Like the opposite of live streams. Live streams are fantastic for community, not as great for discovery. But now with things like with reply with shorts, you can have these conversations with your audience right through shorts. And there are whole channels that just do reply with the short. And you see like, they make a video, someone comments and they make another comment, make another video. And it's a, an incredible discussion. So I think there's a huge opportunity to, for a lot of people who were nervous about getting into the creator economy to sort of take that first step with shorts. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you this, Renee, and then I'm going to get to some uh, viewer questions. So I was super excited when when YouTube announced that they were going to uh, adopt revenue share and get rid of the fun. The fun was just not helping um, more. I kind of call myself a blue collar content creator. I think the creator economy middle class is the majority yes. of the creator economy. We can't all be Mr. Beast, you know, myself I mean, we could, but it's, <laughs> it's just, it's a certain, you know, different gradation, different level. Yep. I think the majority of us are blue collar content creators. I'm a full-time content creator. I've been able to, leave uh, the university, thank God, uh, and do this full time. I've got multiple channels that I run and multiple businesses and YouTube has been the engine for all of them. I love it. Um, I was super, super pumped, super pumped when, when shorts revenue share was announced and then finally implemented in February. Now I want to ask you a tough question though. When I looked at the data and I agree with you, I think it's way too early to tell, but I think a lot of content creators are afraid to say this or ask this. So I'm going to ask mm -hmm. this, you know, I was a little bit disappointed to be honest, just because, you know, there was a lot of hype. There was a lot of, 
um, you know, excitement around this. And then when we looked at the data and we looked at the analytics and we looked at actually what we were earning from shorts. And again, these are blue collar content creators. Okay. Not, yep. not, I mean, I actually titled one video is Mr. Beast. The only one who's going to profit from shorts. And <laughs> it kind of actually did pretty good too. Um, but, but I, I want to disagree with that. And I'm hoping we can discount that because it does feel like, and I've been kind of sensing the energy on Twitter as well from other content creators. We're seeing a common denominator. Most people are saying, well, it's better than nothing. And I have to assume, Renee, YouTube is not looking, that, that wasn't the intention or that wasn't the uh, 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 intended response that they wanted from creators. Well, it's better than nothing. I got $7 or I got an RPM of 0 0.03 cents. It's better than nothing. Have you been hearing that? Am I, am I jumping the gun? Is this, is this valid? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I think it really does depend on the creator. Like, I, and I can speak for myself as an example. Like, I even on long form, I've always had a diversified set of income streams, and I think that's very common across uh, across places. Especially like, as, well, as you probably know way better than me. Some niches have exorbitant RPMs. Some niches really, really do not. Like the one I was in, really, really did not. So I had a, a whole mix of different things, and I think we see this reflected in shorts as well. Like Because the revenue share is new, everybody's focusing on that, but there were people who were incredibly successful when there was, like like people like, like in Canada, where there were no uh, creator funds for other platforms, still incredibly successful. Uh, shorts creators who figured out ways with products and with other things to be incredibly successful. And my guess is, like YouTube wants it to be part of the overall creator story. The same way, for example, on long form video, you have ad revenue share and there's fan funding and there's brand cast and there's um, shopping and there's all these other revenue streams. What we want to do is give creators options so that if you figure out a model for you, like for some reason you, you don't like every other revenue stream and you only want to do um, ad like ad rev share, there's that option for you. But if you want to have a multifaceted business, that's available to you too. If you're just starting out and you get early access to fan fund, and we want to make that as good as possible for you. So I think it's a piece of the puzzle and it's getting a lot of attention because it's the newest piece of the puzzle. But right. just like with long form, it's going to be a piece of the creator puzzle going forward. I think that's a great answer. Uh, thank you for that. I appreciate that. And I think that um, most of us, we get so super excited when something new comes out and our focus tends to be, okay, okay, it's all about shorts now. YouTube is all about shorts. Even I, you know, who's an experienced seasoned content creator, I, I was like, you know what? Um, the TikTokification of all these platforms is commencing. We know Facebook and Instagram have basically gone all in on Reels. Now when I open the YouTube app, the first thing I see, I don't know if this is a brand new thing, Renee, but now when I open the YouTube app, the first thing I see is a short. Whereas before I would have my feed, right? And now I know they're going to be differentiating the feeds. Um, it's just such an interesting time right now. And I was even making bold predictions saying, you know what? The future of YouTube is shorts, which goes to my next question. And thank you for answering yes. that. Long I, I sorry, I keep doing this to you, but you, you, you bring up such good points that I always want to add. Like, please, please, please. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, not at all. Um, so uh, the the shorts thing, that should over time adjust to how, like if you typically watch shorts first, it'll put them higher. If you don't engage with them, it should move it lower. So that should be dynamic for people. But it, it, 
we've seen on long form too, there are some creators who just make content that can't be monetized the way they want it to through ad rev share because, you know, ad companies have agency and they get to choose what videos they want to be on. And some of the content is edgier and they don't have a good time with ads. So they go all in on memberships and their memberships are enormous like right. just flabbergastingly enormous. and i think we'll find the same thing with shorts too where people put together the unique blend that best suits their channel i think you i think you're going to answer this the way i think you're going to answer this long form creators you're a long form creator i love long form content um i think youtube's core is long form content um shorts long form content as long form creators i speak for a lot of long form creators there's a lot of apprehension, maybe even, dare I say, a little bit of anxiety about shorts. Um, yeah. They're used to a very specific format. They've built major communities and audiences with a major format, long-form content. What do you say, Renee, as the YouTube creator liaison, to long-form creators about all this hubaloo with shorts? What is the best way that long-form creators can complement this new medium taking over? Yeah, I mean, that's a fantastic question. And I think options are really always the best thing like if they, some people have like an attitude like rock and roll isn't music you know like whatever whatever was the like the baseline when i started doing it it should never change from that right and then we saw that with live streaming we saw that with like the advent of mobile video like it's just like get off my lawn but like this happens and like people were gonna watch on mobile whether youtube optimized for mobile or not and people are gonna watch short form video whether it's on youtube or not and as a creator who's like my biggest following is on YouTube. I love having that option available to me on YouTube. The same way I love having live streaming available to me on YouTube. I want, I can choose to do it anywhere. I could choose to not do it at all. But if I want to do it, I like the fact that I can do it. And I think then it comes down to, do you need to do it? Do you, are you willing to experiment with it? And then what your strategy is? Because there are going to be different strategies. Like some creators are not going to want or need to do shorts at all. And that's great. You know, the same way they don't want or need to do live sometimes too. You don't have to use everything. But for creators who are interested in it and they see it as a way to increase discovery or their are audiences who only watch shorts, like they only watch short form video, that's what interests them. And if you don't engage with it, you don't have access to that audience. And again, that might be fine. But if you're like, there's this whole generation that's mobile first and shorts first, I want to be in that conversation. You have that option. And then also there are some people who only engage in a certain topic on short form. Like they, they want to watch a minute of some cool stunt or prank or vibe, but they would never watch 10 minutes of it. So like if, if you have a kind of content that's well suited for it, maybe you'll get those views where you just wouldn't have before. And then there's also like the exposure where there's just so many creators and so many channels. And if people are spending some time in shorts and you have like a really good hook there and you can bring them back to your long form, that just becomes a way of getting uh, more exposure. So I think it really depends on what you want, like as a creator, what you're willing to experiment with, and then like just clearly set your goals and hold yourself honest and accountable to those goals. Can you clarify, Renee, on, on the shorts algorithm, the shorts feed algorithm? Like, is it the same governance Viewer behavior signals, uh, retention, etc. Is it the because I, I know a lot of creators have asked this on Twitter. They say, "Hey, ask him about the shorts feed because it seems like my video will go like this. The line graph will go up and then plummet and die and and just be lost." Is there anything that you yeah. can share uh, uh, that can illuminate the the shorts algorithm? 
Sure. So the short, the algorithm itself is a implementation of the same guiding principles. And that is YouTube decided or realized early on that not all engagement, not all watch time is created equal, that you can watch something and feel terrible afterwards. And there's like a rubbernecking phenomena or rage watching, some people call it, which just doesn't give you a healthy feeling. And that's not what we want to be a part of. Like we don't want engagement at all costs. So mm. we have this idea of satisfaction where yeah. like we'll do satisfaction surveys. We'll look like, did you watch that video and then watch another one? Like, are you happy with it? We want people to have like valuable watch time. And that's that sort of guides what we do with the shorts algorithm. I think when some people, like especially creators who are new to shorts, when they see that go up and go down quickly, in the shorts feed, there's no thumbnails and clicking. Like there's no concept of a click-through rate. So if you don't have an established audience, we will in some cases provide you with a seed audience just to get a sense of how your content is performing. And if it does great, it's gonna grow like a normal video, but if it doesn't, that seed audience will evaporate and then you'll see it come back down. And it's tricky to understand that because we're so used to long form with impressions, click-through rates, yeah. and that gives us an idea, but there's no impressions in a feed and there's no click-through rate in a feed. So all you see is those initial views and of those initial, and that treat that almost like initial impressions. And then if people respond well, respond competitively, enjoy watching it, that'll keep going. But if they're just like, ah, this isn't the one for me, then you'll see that audience sort of fizzle out. And maybe over time it'll find a new audience, but you will see that initial, like quick ramp up and ramp down just because there's no concept of impressions. Right. And I'm assuming it's going to probably just like anything else, it'll get better and better over time, understanding viewer behavior, viewer needs, et cetera, viewer satisfaction. Sure. And also as you grow on shorts, you'll have, you'll like, you'll build an audience and then that audience is what's going to be sampled first, tested first, and not just a, like a, 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 we don't have to build you a sample audience basically. Awesome. Okay. We got a question here. Thank you, Renee. That's awesome. We have a question here from DJ Strick, an awesome live streamer and content creator. We have the best audience because everybody that's in the live chat right now, everybody that is, you know, a part of this Nez Nation community, these are all business owners, executives, content creators, live streamers, podcasters. We have the best community. So DJ Strick, what a great question. Uh, he says, other than shorts right now, is there any other thing that we should be focusing on to grow on YouTube? I'm assuming is what he kind of implies. Is there anything else creators should be focusing on besides shorts? No, it's all about shorts. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it depends on like, what your definition of growth is as well. Like, are you right. after like views, subscribers, uh, new like new viewers, returning viewers? Like, there's a lot of things that you can focus on. Some of them are like cosmetics. Like, at a certain point, like some of them are really important for some creators. They don't care about views because they have an incredible affiliate business and they just want to. They worry about conversions and they convert off a very small but incredibly engaged core audience and. They just want those conversion numbers to go up. So I get, like, again, it's like pick what's important to you, measure yourself against that. Uh, if you want to grow with views, shorts is a great way of doing it. Uh, we're doing a lot of interesting things around podcasts now to make that a better yeah. experience on YouTube. So if you are a podcast, you've always wanted to be a podcaster. And I know some people have had a great strategy where they do podcasts their own or other people's podcasts and then put like really interesting clips of that up in shorts to just drive attention. Like, I don't know about you, but when I go to my shorts thing, there's so many pod like bits of podcasts in my short feed. Oh yeah. Uh, and oftentimes I want to go and find the rest of that interview. So yeah. I think like figure out what your growth strategy is and then what's important to you. And then you like, if it's growing your long form videos, that's just about identify who your audience is and figure out after they watch your popular video, what's the next 
like what next video would they love even more and then make those those videos for them so that your audience always has something incredible to watch next and then they're going to just keep binging and watching your content that's a great way to grow on long form i'm seeing a common denominator here listen to your audience do what's best for your it's, audience right renee yeah i mean like uh todd who runs discovery and growth at youtube uh, he's been saying for a while you know Almost any question that you can ask about the YouTube algorithm, replace it with the word audience and you will almost always get a better answer. So if it's like, why didn't the algorithm like this video? Just think, why didn't my audience like this video? Audience not really being subscribers, but being returning viewers. Like they may be subscribers. They may just be people who always see your videos on the home screen and just click on them all the time. But whoever is watching your channel and you can see all of this in analytics, the videos that are most popular, like what are they enjoying about them? Give them more to enjoy. Right. And which kind of is a good segue to Doug's question here. He says, creating shorts on mobile or direct uploads on desktop, any impact on the algorithm? I'm assuming nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, alg like, the algorithm tries not to have opinions on things. Like it wants to do what the, the algorithm <laughs> right. follows the audience. Right. Uh, so it really wants to do what makes the audience happy right now, because shorts are new, we're still testing different features on different platforms. So for example, Android right now has, lets you select the custom frame for your short. So if you tend to get more views from the shorts shell for, from channel pages or from a search, maybe you want to upload on Android because that's going to give you like the ability to, to, to control that more. Uh, if you want to do reply with shorts because you want to build that community, that conversational YouTube, which I really love right now, that's being tested on iOS. All of these will come to all the platforms eventually, like hopefully soon. But for now, like if that's the most important thing to you, you you're going to want to do, like you can create them anywhere, but you're going to want to upload them through iOS so that you can get like the reply with shorts thing going. If you want to do 4K shorts, currently that's available on desktop. So like if you really care about the 4K-ness of your shorts, you're going to want to upload on desktop. Right. And then it's just like everything else is the same. It's sort of like which feature that we're testing on which platform matters to you the most for right now. Right, right. Yeah, I love that. And, and if I may, really quickly, talking about the algorithm, I'm going to get to your questions, Tony. Thank you, Tony. Dr. Elo, Dealcasters. Dealcasters, big shout out to you. Um I wanted to ask you really quickly when you actually, because I think you asked this question to one of your guests, and I want to know what you as an amazing content creator, long-term content creator, when you go into your analytics, because I would presume, and I don't want to be presumptuous, but just like most successful content creators, you let the data inform your decisions. So let me ask you, uh, the YouTube creator liaison, Mr. Rene Ritchie. What's the first thing that you focus on when you open up YouTube analytics for your channel or a friend's channel or anybody's channel? Yeah. So I'm going to give you like the boring answer because I think it's the, I, I, most people do this. So I'm, I'm hoping it's a good answer. I'd rather but, it be helpful uh, than exciting, boring and helpful than exciting and not helpful. <laughs> so I tend to look at both views and retention over the course of quite a few videos. Like maybe it's a, like, like, uh, Seven days is good if you're worried about making immediate changes. Like if you're like, I have to do something, this isn't working, what can I do now? Like 24 hours I don't think is enough. It's hit your core audience, but it hasn't really spread yet. Uh, and 30 days, I'm totally like quoting uh, Gwen, Gwen Miller's strategy here, but uh, it, maybe and maybe a month is too long, like it, it, between videos for you to start iterating. So if you start looking at like, what is the, what is the views for several videos what are the what's the retention graph for several videos what are the new and returning uh viewers for several videos and then see where you're getting the best responses because like um very flat retention doesn't tell you much it's like your core audience loves most of the stuff you do and 
you know, but like when your videos start to get more and more views, it becomes bumpier because those people aren't as invested in you. So like their feedback is more brutally honest. Like they'll show you where you get boring because they'll click out of it or they'll skip ahead. So that gives you a lot of good feedback. And then you can see which videos are really performing well, like who's bringing new viewers onto your channel. And I like to think like, in sets, in series. So if somebody watches this video, what are they gonna watch next? And if the answer is not clear, you're not building an audience at that point. But mm. if it's clear, like I watched this video where I talked about like, should you upgrade your laptop? Uh, and then there's nothing, doesn't work for me. But if it's then, oh, but if you're, if you're interested in this model, here's the deep dive on it. Like if you're like, I always wanna give you that viewer path. I wanna try to control that as much as possible. So I look for like, what is performing well with my core audience? What is bringing in the new audience? And then I try to balance between those two content types. Awesome. Awesome. We got to, that probably relates to this next question that we have from my man, AL, Mr. Tony Locke. He says the video I created a couple of weeks ago had the most views and I gained four subscribers from it. Congratulations, Tony. That's awesome. It was talking about the gear I use. Should I focus more on that? What do you think, Renee? Yeah. So figure out, like you can go into the comments is a great way to get feedback on that. You can look through the retention graphs, see what parts of that really resonated. Maybe they were resonating with you sharing your stuff. And then maybe the logical next step is which apps that you use. And maybe the, they're apps for phones and apps for computers and apps for, you know, like everything that you use. Maybe that's what they're interested in. Maybe it's they're interested in the gear and then maybe you want to do a breakout video on the most popular gear so that after they watch this is the gear i use their next watch is this is this is the camera i told you that i used and here's why i use it and how i love it and then maybe the next step after that is how i, I kit out the camera or maybe it's like my editing process so you want to sort of figure out what's resonating in that video and then plan a journey like just put yourself in the shoes of the audience i saw this this is the part i was really interested in what are the next two or three videos I would watch right after this. Great. Great answer. I hope that helps, Anthony. Dr. Elo, who is an awesome, awesome live streamer and creator, says, YouTube Shorts thumbnails can only be changed via Android devices. Is there an iOS feature to change YT uh, YouTube Short thumbnails in the near future? Yes. So when we when we test something, we usually pick a platform to test it on just because it lets us focus in on it. And also we can we can sort of load balance by putting different features on different platforms. So it, it's being tested on Android now. It should come to iOS soon. It'll have the same ability to choose a frame. The bigger question that we've been asking a lot of creators, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, is whether you want a full like thumbnail desktop like, like, sorry, like long form video style thumbnail, upload any custom image you want. And yes. we've heard from some creators, yes. they want that <laughs> because they, like, they care a lot about their channel pages. They want it to match. They want it to look. And other creators have told us, I spend three days on my thumbnails. I put like half the time I put into my videos on my thumbnails. I don't want to have to worry about that on shorts. It is such an, uh, an extra burden on the process that I just want shorts to stay super fast, super easy, upload and go and not make it competitive. Like I have Well, to when you're scrolling on the feed, just... you don't see a thumbnail, right, Renee? When yes. you're scrolling on the shorts feed or even TikTok or whatever. Yeah. So does it does it really even matter? I mean, is it, I guess as a replay view or, or, a, or if somebody comes to your channel and like you said, if you're an yeah. OCD about the design of your channel, whatever, I personally would just like that option, but I agree with you. I think the, um, not, you know, avoiding the bottleneck is probably the wiser thing. Um, I don't know. I'd love your thoughts on that actually. Yeah. So I, I'm mixed on it too. Like I, I, I think 
long-term, most people are going to get their views, their shorts views from the feed. Um, that's just the way it's going to work. Like most people get their, their views from the homepage for long form videos. But I, I, and I appreciate that people want their channel pages to look nice, but I think YouTubers, like we over index on what, like yeah. on who comes to our channel page. Uh, we over index on a lot of things. Like if yeah. you look at, like, channel uh, names don't really matter. <laughs> subscription feeds, uh, <laughs> notifications. Notifications is huge. Like there are so many videos that say subscribe and set the bell to all because we think that's going to get us a lot of views. And when you look at your like top level analytics, it might say like for my channel, it says on average 30 to 50% of people who watch my videos are subscribers. But then when I go into traffic sources, I see that most of the subscribers are clicking from the homepage. There's like 4% who actually click from the subscription feed and 1% who click from the notification. So I spent like a year telling people to hit the bell to all so that I could be annoying them with pop-ups on their phone when they're busy doing something else. And it would have been like a much better use of my time to say, like to, to avoid all that and say, hey, if you love this video, here's a deep dive on the subject you know, here's a great video to watch next. That would have performed better for me. And I think like we look at our channel pages, Excellent our parents point. lie and tell us they look at our channel pages, but like very, very few, like look at your numbers and see what the click-through rate is. If you get a lot of clicks from shorts feed or sorry, from shorts shelf or the shorts tab, may, then maybe that's more important to you. But I think for the majority of creators, it's going to end up being the feed. I cannot stress how much what Renee just said is so powerful. Guys, listen to what he just said. I want to repeat this because it bears repeating. Wasting time asking for subscribers, etc., hit the bell and all that. You're you're taking away valuable seconds because retention, you want them to watch all the way to the end, but more important than that, you want to create this bingeable watch time session. You want to create this uh, ability to get them to watch more than one video. Because the more videos that they watch, the more videos that they check out on your channel, the longer you keep them on YouTube, guess what? The algorithm, a.k.a. the audience, a.k.a. what's governing the recommendation system, and please, Renee, correct me if I'm wrong, is going to say, wait a minute. So, you know, Tony is watching, you know, Renee's video on, you know, X, Y, and Z. So maybe we can push it out even more to other people like Tony. So it's it's really, really important. View per viewer is something I learned from the great uh, Daryl Eves, which I know uh, uh, Renee knows who Daryl is and most of this audience knows, um, is more important than asking for subscribers. And even Mr. Beast on, on a podcast recently said, you know, uh, I, I hardly ever, and I don't even know anybody who really watches videos from the subscription feed. It's all really from the home, not all, it's, it's relative, but most of it comes from recommendations, homepage, suggested, up next, etc. So I love that point that you just made, Renee. I think the biggest mistake that creators make right now is, well, I got to get, it's all about play buttons, right? It's all about these, I mean, YouTube gives you a reward when you get a certain amount of subscribers. So it's all about subscribers. Everything's about subscribers. It couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want a play button too, and I'm going to get it. But I value my niche audience. I want people to actually watch my videos. And when I get comments at two in the morning saying, Nez, your video helped me. Nez, your video changed. I've gotten these comments before. I'm not trying to brag, but it makes my heart expand. When people say, Nez, your video really helped me out. That is worth more than all the gold in Fort Knox. And if you do that ad infinitum, holy macadamia nut. You're going to see massive, massive growth. I got to give a big shout out to Dr. Elo for the $10 super chat. Thank you, Dr. Elo. Huge thanks to Renee for saving my YouTube channel from the metaverse. 
<laughs> Wait, is this an inside thing? <laughs> Thanks for bringing him on, Nez. Anytime. And we can have him on again, hopefully, soon, too. <laughs> What's the, yeah, what I is he talking about, Renee? Oh, I just like, I try to help out as many creators as I can. So it's always yes. good, you know, when things work out well. Uh, I, I think what you said there is like really important too, because we the, all time is limited. And I think sometimes as creators, we feel powerless. Like the, the key to success on YouTube is really make amazing videos. And that's, but that's really hard. Like, what does that mean? How does that translate? Like make amazing thumbnails. Like we were talking about before, like if your traffic comes from home, it's competitive for a thumbnail. Maybe your video goes live next to a Mr. Beast video or an iJustine video. And people say like, my, my subscribers said they never saw the video, but they did. They just like, they it was in the corner of their eye and they were like running to click on the Mr. Beast video. But all of these things are like really important. And some people will spend a lot of time like futzing with metadata. Like we get this question all the time, which tags should I use? Like I spent a day researching tags for this video and like, spend that day on the thumbnail, spend that day on like looking at your older videos, see where people are skipping and making it like, like removing parts that are discouraging viewers and doubling down on parts, like spend that time making a better like product and packaging. And don't worry so much about all the little details because they feel like you're controlling it, but then like it's not working and you get even more tense about it. I love that. Thank you, Renee, for clarifying. And thank you for compounding that uh, uh, advice. That's so, so important and so good. What not to focus on is almost more important than what to focus on. So uh, thank you for that. And by the way, guys, we've probably there. got another. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say it's like a lot of it is just in your traffic sources. And I think like people look at the superficial traffic source, but they don't break it down and they don't see like my click-through rate from here looks like it's high, but from here where I get most of my traffic is really not, I've got to improve my thumbnails or, you know, I'm only getting a small percentage of clicks from the notifications. Maybe I should stop asking people to hit the bell as much and focus more on telling them to watch another video. Like all of it, if you're doing like tutorials, you'll see like your search click-through, maybe your titles aren't as apparent for people. Like they're good answers to the question they typed in a search bar. So you got to focus on making it wicked obvious that your video answers that question. All of that is in the traffic data. If you look at it. So helpful. Uh, do you have more time, uh, Renee? Do you mind if we ask you a few more questions? Of course. Awesome. So we got a great question from probably some of my favorite, uh, if not, I think the best Amazon live creators, Dealcasters live, and they have the most amazing Amazon live show and beyond uh chris and jim it's great to have you here i hope you're still here uh sorry for uh, we're trying to get to all the questions we got a lot of questions coming in so dealcasters asks oh i love this question podcast implementation has rolled out to some but not all channels i don't have it yet either is that going to continue and is there a way to request availability in youtube studio renee yeah. So typically we do rollouts for things because like there's no matter how much you test something internally, there is no comparison to millions and millions of creators hitting it when it goes live. So we always roll it out in stages and then we check very carefully to see anything unforeseen, anything we didn't count on or creators having issues we didn't anticipate. So it's very natural that it's going to start rolling out to like a small percentage and then a larger percentage, and then a larger percentage and then everybody. So it's just, it, it's just a process. Um, if you have a partner manager, which I know not everybody does, you you can sometimes ask them about it and they'll be able to find a better answer for you. But it really is just like a staggered rollout to try to make sure everything works as well as possible by the time it gets to everybody. Awesome. Awesome. And by the way, Sarah Stahl, great to see you. Chief Marketing Officer uh, is in the house. Sarah, ask your question again, because I don't quite see it up there, if you don't mind. 
Uh, thank you again, Dealcasters, for that question. And let's talk a little bit about this. And Vasu, I'm going to get to your question. Guys, leave your questions in the comments. My moderators are helping me out. Put a giant capital Q and then followed by your question. If we need more context, we'll ask. Treat, please try to keep it simple. Podcasting, Renee. Podcasting on YouTube. Like, yeah. what in the world? This is so cool because we have our Creator Economy podcast. I love audio content. I love video podcasts. Spotify, not to mention a competitor, but Spotify has just announced that pretty much they're going all in on video podcasts for their platform and more discoverability. So competition is heating. But I did hear Neil and Justine talk about this. Um, is there anything you can tell us? We have a lot of podcasters in our audience who are a little trepidatious about YouTube, a little trepidatious about video podcasting. What can we look forward to? What can we um, do to really enhance or augment our presence on YouTube when it comes to video podcasts and beyond? Yeah, I think there's going to be like a, a bunch of questions about it, just like there were about shorts. And all, people have been podcasting on YouTube. Like some of the biggest podcasts in the world have been on YouTube for a long time. Right. And people watch a ton of podcasts on YouTube. So this is more about just giving creators better tools for it. So like some people wonder, like, do it, should I do my podcast on my main channel? Should I create a podcast only channel? Uh, we typically say same audience, same channel. But you're going to see, and it's the same question about should I go live on my channel? Should I do shorts on my channel? Typically, if it's the same audience, like you see better uh, better results on the same channel and you'll have more tools on the same channel. But you've got like you all know your audience, like every creator knows our audience the best. So we've got to get a sense of what do they really want? What do they like on the channel? And then what we're doing with podcasts, for example, is you'll be able to create a playlist and put your podcast episodes in that playlist and then mark that as a podcast. So then YouTube understands all of these episodes are together. And on our side, we're going to try our best to make sure that you get them. Like, it's an open question. Like, if a podcast is seven years old, maybe the first episode isn't the best one to show people. Maybe it is the current one. And then it's the next one. If the next one's not available yet. Like, so there's a lot of questions around, like, how to serve episodic content that, that we're working on for all of this. But hey, also Renee, quick, like, hey, Renee, yeah. quick technical question. If you already have a playlist that is a video podcast, can you go in through YouTube Studio in the settings and just uh, uh, identify that as a podcast or is it automatic? I believe so. I'll double check, but I believe you okay, can set any you. playlist, new or old. Sorry to interrupt. That. No, not at all. And then like the stuff that I'm really excited about is like the, the audio part that you mentioned too. So we're going to be integrating with YouTube Music so that you'll be able to go in and, and listen to the audio version, but also RSS so that your oh. podcast, if you choose to like... To, to make YouTube the home of your podcast, you'll still be able to put out RSS links so people can use traditional podcast apps. Like just if that's where they prefer to live, they'll be able to use traditional podcast apps to listen to them too, which I think guys, is like beyond fantastic. You guys listen to this. This is absolutely monumental for content creators, especially audio content creators. Um, you know, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get too into it, but when I did listen to the new head of YouTube's uh, Neil Mohan's uh, uh, interview, he really mentioned, and, and when you when you, when the head of YouTube says this, you should probably pay attention. He really, really uh, advocated that podcasting on YouTube is going to be a big thing, not just a thing. I don't think YouTube does anything half baked when they when they add something or when they create a new product. Correct me if I'm wrong, Renee. They go all in and they really want to make it a big part of, like you said earlier, that puzzle. We're living in the greatest time to be alive. The creator economy yeah. is just beginning. I mean, think about it. Let's literally, we're looking at 15, 10 years. In the last three or four years, it's skyrocketed. 
this is just the beginning. And you can you just imagine what podcasting, what YouTube is going to look like in the next 10, 20, 30 years. So what it's absolutely so astronomical. Much. Please, please, Renee. It's like, uh, like these are the tools that just as a creator were only available to big studios uh, and big <laughs> labels previously. Like I was watching... Um, I was watching Blackpink last year and it was like the equivalent of a Marvel Studios rollout because they were getting ready to drop their new their new music video. But they had shorts coming out almost like teasers and trailers to really build the excitement. And then that VOD like that that music video dropped uh, and they had I don't I don't remember they premiered it. I think they did premiere it, which was like a red carpet sort of a thing. And then after that, they had like live Q&A's and audience interactions which is like the going on the interview circuit, you know, and promoting your music, like promoting your movie. And all of that was cut back up into shorts, which is like, uh, like additional marketing. It's like the biggest movie in America, go see it now. So yeah. like you missed all like, and then people are refunneled back to their music video and to everything else. And I was just looking at that and going, that required like, marvel sized like disney sized tools before or like warner brothers or like a big music label tools before and now any creator like you don't have to do that but like if, if you've always loved like you've always loved that sort of a model you can do all that now on youtube and, and just to give it a little more perspective and then vasu i want to get to your question we're going to get to many questions but i have to say this a pimply teenager <laughs> awkward in front of a camera from a, a, a you know a, a town that nobody's ever heard of in North Carolina, right? You know, out of nowhere, starts making YouTube videos with his iPhone in his room, and is now literally an empire, a, a close to be probably you know YouTube's first billionaire. You guys know who I'm talking about. I mean, imagine the possibilities all from using his iPhone in his bedroom, creating videos and it took him years by the way we're talking obviously about mr beast it took him years so i mean this is why i keep telling you guys nez nation everybody please listen to the man the source the creator liaison he's at youtube this is a long game and it's the most beautiful time to be alive if you're a creator and you're not as old as i am <laughs> who's almost 50 i'm telling you right now you are and i have a family i've got a wife i've got kids i've got a mortgage this is the greatest time to be alive. I would give anything to be 30 and single right now because I would absolutely be creating YouTube videos every single second of the day. Not that that's healthy, but I would. <laughs> and there are some, but I mean, like, there are creators of all ages. I'm blanking on her name. I'm so sorry, but she works with Nick Giordano on, uh, on food uh, um, videos a lot. And, and, there, and there's a whole community of like the people of all ages making videos and becoming hugely successful. So it's just about like finding your passion and I like, and then connecting with your audience and the sky's the limit. That's awesome. Okay. We got a question here. Thank you, Renee. We got a question here from Vasu, uh, Vasu's vegetarian kitchen. When is the ability to adjust both voice and background music coming to shorts? And is there room for 30 seconds? Renee? I'm not sure. I thought about we already had that. Don't part we? Of that. Yeah, we have a minute long short, so I'm not sure about the 30 second part. And maybe the first part is in the camera tool. I'm not sure either. Okay. Okay. Great. Maybe we can no get problem. a little bit more context. We can. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Vasu, if you don't mind, uh, if you're still here, thank you for the question. Add a little bit more context. Um, and this is a perfect example of what I was talking about. Keep your questions simple. If we need context, we'll ask for it. Please, by all means, uh, add a little more context, and I'll try to see if we can clarify that for you, okay? Thank you so much. Um, we've got another question from, in layman's terms, it's so good to see you, Doug. 
Doug is crushing it with video on LinkedIn, and I know his YouTube channel is growing. Will YouTube bring back video response to long-form videos? So, kinda. And that's what I was talking to <laughs> with. That's what I was talking about with Reply with a Short. So you can use Reply with a Short to like a live stream VOD or like a long form video, another short video. And then when you basically you go to the comments on the right, it's iOS only for now, but it'll come to other platforms. There's a shorts button. You click that and you can record a, a reply to a comment. And then that'll put a sticker that, with the, the comment on it. And tapping that sticker will take you back to the comment and the original video. So it, it it's not exactly the same as reply to video because that led to a lot of change. And there was it wasn't always the best experience for everybody. So this is a more controlled version of that, but it's what we're experimenting with for now. I know you hear all the time, Renee, that YouTube is too crowded. It's too saturated. I know you hear probably all the time, uh, Renee, what can I offer? I mean, there's already a Graham Stephan. There's already a Meet Kevin. I know a little bit about accounting and finance. What do I have to offer? Why should anybody start a YouTube channel now when there's just so many people and there's so much content out there. Do you have a simple, <laughs> I'm sure it's not simple, but Renee, do you have a simple answer? Somebody who says, you know what? I'm convinced. Renee, I'm convinced. Professor Nez, I'm convinced. Um, yes, I just talked to myself in the third person. <laughs> I'm convinced I should start a YouTube channel. What is your best advice? Like Renee, if you had to start all over March 12th, 2023, you were going to start a YouTube channel today what would you say are the most important things that you would do and what are the most important mistakes to avoid? I know that's kind of a loaded question. Yeah. Um, no. Renee, take it away. That's probably too big of yeah. a question. <laughs> no. So I did like, so in 2020, I, I quit my, like the company that I was working for got sold to a large British uh, media empire. I, I decided it wasn't the right vibe for me. So I quit at the beginning of March. I gave them one month's notice in case there were any events or anything. I didn't leave them shorthanded. And then halfway through that month, the world shut down and I was out of a job. Uh, and they owned the YouTube channel that I had spent the last many years building up. So I had to start from scratch, like right. literally zero subscribers during the pandemic. And like, now, maybe that was good because so many people were stuck at home and watching, but there was no way of knowing that going in. Like everybody thought there'd be no advertisers, there'd be no marketing budgets. There'd be like, it was like a lot of panic. Um, so I just concentrated on making videos and we had, we were in lockdown, like again, very different circumstances. So I woke up every morning, I made a video, took a day, two days, sometimes three days, posted it, did the same thing over and over again. And I think the circumstances are different now, but the approach isn't. And I started another tech, tech channel and there's huge tech channels out there like Unbox Therapy and Marquez Brownlee and Mr. Who's the Boss and I, Justine. Uh, so like it was by no means like a, a non-crowded niche. So it always comes down to for me is like what unique value can you give your audience? Like what is there about your voice that is not like that no one else is addressing right now? And that could be an angle. It could be a format. It could be anything. So I would look at like Pick a few things that you're really passionate about, because if they're not passions of yours, like you can make like business channels. Some people can do that. Like they, they just identify a market need and they treat it like a job. Uh, but that's real. like, like I think you have to have like some business sense and some runway and a bunch of things if you're making like strictly commercial focused channels. If we're talking about like like indie creator kind of channels. Pick a few things that you're passionate about, because if you're not passionate, you're not going to be able to continue for a month, a year, several years, a decade. And the worst thing that can do is like you have a successful channel and you hate the subject. It's just not a good place you want to be. So pick those things, 
make a few videos for like first watch all the videos for those things see what they are what's common about them what's already being done and see if you can figure out like what are you missing from that content like what voice isn't what angle isn't being covered what like what are they missing out on and see if you can be that voice like that perspective and then start making some videos and maybe one of those subjects takes off more than the other so you figure out i like this and there's an audience for it and then I would be really strategic on doubling down, like start making videos, focus on an audience, like figure out who your audience is, go through your comments, look at who's watching your videos, look at what other videos they're watching, try to get as many clues as you can, focus on that audience, and then make videos that you know someone who just watched the last video is going to love to watch next. Start building that up. Just get videos into YouTube. That'll teach you like you'll, you'll learn. It's like you can't let swim really on dry land. You've got to get in the pool and you'll make mistakes mm. and you'll be like tired sometimes, but you'll learn for myself. I just kept a journal. Every video I made, I wrote down like what didn't work about it and what I could do better. And I picked one thing to focus on to get better at. And then I would do as many videos as it took to, to sort of nail that thing, whether it was like lighting or editing or like like presentation skills, uh, things where audiences were dipping out, how to do calls to action. I picked these things and I watched a ton of YouTube videos about them. I got better at them. I, I sat in every live stream. You know, Ness probably got sick of seeing my username pop up in every uh, YouTube educator live stream for like uh, two years. Like for the last two, I still go into as many as I can uh, and just learn and learn and repeat and repeat. And then keep making better and better videos. There is no amount of metadata or hacks or tricks that's going to do for you what making really, really good videos are. And that's you learn that by making videos, taking audience feedback, and as much as you can, like suppress your ego. Because like it's really hard to like if you start thinking my videos are amazing, I'm not getting any views, the audience isn't recognizing my genius. Like that just stunts your growth. But if you're like, yeah. oh, there's so much I have to learn, so much I have to improve. I'm going to work really hard at. I'm going to focus on it. I'm going to take the feedback. I'm going to listen to people like Nez. Like if they tell me like what I can work on, I'm going to work on it. And then like, just have a really good ethic about it and build your channel. Think long-term, think like it's going to take you a while to do it. If, if you get like some good breaks along the way, that's fantastic. Don't count on them because you're setting yourself up for disappointment, but like, just be really solid. And then if it takes a hundred videos or like, like, again, like there's all these stories about how many videos it took for Mr. Beast or for Marquez Brownlee. But like, if you have a good catalog, once people start discovering you, they'll go back and watch those videos too. So like, they're not, they're not pure loss. They're like more of an investment. It's like, you're putting away videos every week or every two weeks, whatever your schedule is. And then just be kind to yourself. Because if you start off, like, I'm going to do three videos a day and you exhaust your, it's like going to the gym and doing the hardest workout, then you're sore for a week. Like you're not going to make progress that way. Be kind to yourself, take breaks when you have to, make realistic schedules, set realistic goals, and then just, you know, chop away at them. And that's, that's the only way I've ever found to be successful. Wow. Wow. You guys, you just literally got an entire masterclass on YouTube in the last two, three minutes. That is a phenomenal Mr. Richie. There's a reason why he's the YouTube creator liaison. If you don't timestamp that, if you haven't taken any notes on what he just said to my answer, what, 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 why would I start a YouTube channel? What would I do first? What would I avoid? He literally gave and broke down everything you need right there. So anybody who's watching this replay, podcast uh, uh, listeners, live viewers, 
what he just said is, I think, even more applicable to even long-term creators, people who've been here for a while, but especially to uh, uh, people who are just starting out, newer creators. Renee, that was that was a masterclass. Thank you so much for um, thank you so much for that answer. That was very in depth. A um, couple more questions. Couple more questions, and then we got to let this guy go. Uh, uh, he's been phenomenal. You have a little more time, Renee. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Um, I had a question, but I was so like, I had a, a, a follow-up question, but I was so uh, enthralled by your answer. I completely forgot it. So let me, um, let me, so it looks like Vasu did add a little bit of context to his question, the ability to adjust the volume on the original voice and the music we use on the shorts, how to simultaneously have both the original voice and the music used on shorts. Does that help at all, Renee, when he was asking? Yeah. A little. Really. I'll, I'll have to double check on that. I'm not like. We'll come back to I'll, that, Vasu. Yeah. I tend to do it like that might be a YouTube camera question, like, like, like creating shorts in the app. And I like I create most of mine on the desktop still. So okay. I haven't played around with it as much, uh, but I'll absolutely take a look at it. And if you leave that as a as a comment on the on the video I'll, I'll come back to you with an answer where do you stand renee on variety channels versus very niche down specific channels is it better to have and start a or at least because i know youtube encourages experimentation um and i'm kind of thinking of one particular creator who talked about unlisting videos that were getting tons of views but they no longer align with the direction that they want their channel to go is that a wise course of action? Is it better to have a specific niche channel or is a variety channel okay and you can grow on YouTube? So um, a lot, like I hate to give it depends at, like answers, but like a lot of this really depends on like what you're making and how you're doing it. So in general, it's better to have like, like one channel per audience. People get like, they think it's like a channel like NBC and then they've got to like program like a, a new show in the morning, a drama, right. like some comedies. Uh, but really a channel is a show. Uh, so you can have Brian Cranston in Malcolm in the Middle and you can have him in Breaking Bad. But if you try to make that one thing, it's just going to like confuse people. So it'd be better to have like, even though it's the same actor, it'd be better to have like the like the, the, the big drama channel and then like the big comedy channel, like, like just to break it up so that people know what to expect when they go into the video. YouTube can find audiences over time, but it can take long periods of time. So if you're giving, if you're creating videos that the audience is expecting, they're going to engage with them that much faster. The other thing is you, you have to set expectations. I think sometimes creators think, any video I make should get a million views, like whatever your scale is. Every video I make should make a thousand views just because like, like YouTube is still very new, but in Hollywood, like there are people who know that if I make a, a blockbuster movie, I'm going to get this much box office and this much paycheck. But if I make a small indie art house movie, I'm, I'm not going to get anywhere near that amount of money or that amount of like box office for it. And they know that going in, but they want to do it because that lets them express something about themselves. On my channel, I knew that a big phone review would get like hundreds of thousands of views, but an article about like what a video about accessibility would only get a, a few thousand. I, I knew that going in. So I'm not upset that the accessibility video didn't get as many views. I look at it like the big videos allow me the luxury of making the topics I really care about. Like those pay the bills. I love doing them, but also gives me the luxury of making like education and environmental and 
like videos that I think are important or that speak to a very important part of my audience. And you can make videos for your core audience as well that you know are going to get less views, but your core audience are going to love it, you know, and, and they're the ones who buy your merch or use your affiliate links. And like, it's maybe like, I want to use the word valuable for audiences because it weird, feels weird to put the name like value on people, but they're the ones who like are maybe more important for your revenue than, than like, the casual uh, audience who gives you views, but like, don't click through, don't buy this stuff, don't do all those sorts of things. So I think like, as long as it's clear in your head, what your expectations are, you have a lot more freedom. Or if you're testing out, like bless I Justine, she does like a cooking video and she does it because she loves it. And for some people they'd be upset. Oh, the cooking video didn't do as many views as the iPhone unboxing. She's like, I know that I love to cook. And like, it just like, that's great. If you if your mentality is no, everything I do should be like a Mr. Beast video. You're really going to hurt yourself. So I think like just be clear to your own goals, and then as from a strategy point of view, you can test like nearest neighbor stuff. So like it, you can figure out frameworks like uh, Legal Eagle and Doctor Mike do a huge range of variety content, but it's not. But it's 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 got an incredible framework around it. Doctor reacts and lawyer reacts. So they're audience isn't there for movies or TV or memes or uh, like like news or issues. They're there for like the lawyer. They're there for the doctor. And that lets, as long as they stick to that, like they've tried doing things that weren't as well grounded, doesn't work. But when they ground it really in that, it gives them a huge range of things that they can, like that's probably why reaction channels are so popular because you get to yeah. like love the person reacting and that gives you much more like they like still like gamers tend to react to games and like uncle Roger reacts to cooking videos. So like there is, there, there is still some interconnective tissue. So I think if you can get people to, and some people are just so charismatic that we'll watch them no matter what they do, but that's few right. and far between. So for us humans, like us, us regular type humans, if you want to do a variety <laughs> of content, figure out, a structure you can put around it so that in your audience's mind, it's not something new every time. It's something next. And that's, that's very powerful for them. So as long as it's aligned with your overarching like value proposition and theme yes. of your show, not necessarily, I like the distinction you say there, because even though we call them YouTube channels, it's really a show. So Breaking Bad yes. is very, very different from Malcolm in the Middle, yes. um, as opposed to putting it on like a programming schedule. I like the way that you made that distinction. So as long as it's aligned with that, like, you know, lawyer reacts or anything related to law, you can definitely experiment as a content creator within those different buckets. Correct, Renee? Yeah. And like Dr. Mike is like genius, this kind of stuff, because he'll have like the latest trending hip, uh, TikTok shorts and say like, are these medically sound? Like, are, there anything, are these bad for your health? Love that. And it's like, he's really like, he's, he's going right for the current trend, but he's putting a spin on it that makes it relatable to his audience or like uh, legal Eagle can review the new Top Gun movie and say like what laws were broken <laughs> in this movie. Or, and then he has like someone who's a JAG lawyer on talking with him about like, no, no, they would all be court-martialed. There's like no chance that this is going to like, and the yeah, audience or somebody like. Who, or somebody who has a channel about, let's say uh, the air force or, or fighter jets could yeah. do a review on uh, Top Gun, which is super uh, popular. Right. And say 100%. like, is this, you know, uh, air force expert reacts to the movie Top Gun, how accurate is it, you know, and have something yeah. that creates tension in the thumbnail that, uh, you know, invites them to click. I love that. That's a great, great philosophy. And I've even advised channels to really incorporate that. And I love the way you said, as long as it stays aligned. Let me ask you this really quickly. And guys, we've only got a few more minutes. I don't want to take up too much of Renee's time. So any last second questions, please leave them in the comments. 
Do you advise Renee, like, let's say a channel does pivot. Okay. Cause I know there's a lot of people listening and watching who have done this. Do you advise unlisting the videos that are bringing in a lot of traffic, maybe even revenue, dare I say, but they're not aligned with the new direction? Or do you just say, you know what, keep that channel the way it is. Start a new channel. Don't unlist those videos. Start a new channel. What would you say to that, Renee? So I'm going to go back to this depends thing. So like I would think of like two years, three years in the future. Like is this is the channel you want to pivot something that you are never going to go back to? Like you've decided right. I don't want to make that kind of content anymore because if it's just like I need a break from it, people start second channels all the time. Like you you right. can like put that channel on pause. Those videos will still like especially if they're evergreen, they're still going to perform. And if like six months later, a year later, two years later you're interested in it again, that channel is still there and that audience is still there and you can start doing more videos on it. If you're convinced that you, like, I never want to touch this subject matter again, I don't want to start, like, for whatever reason, I just don't want to see that number zero if I start a new channel again. The, the thing we usually recommend is try, like, a little bit of that content. Do, like, 20% of that content and see how your audience is reacting to it, sort of, like, seeding them. And then if mm. they're reacting negatively to it, like, maybe put it on another channel. Uh, and it also depends how many videos. Like if you're going to unlist 300 videos, probably not worth it. If you're going to unlist like 10 videos, probably not, probably not a problem. But like then if they're reacting well, go to like 50%. And that way you're still hedging your bets, because, especially if it's like your only source of income or like it's the main part of your business. Like you, you, don't, you don't want to shock anybody. And then if it's going great, like go to 80% and start tapering off the old content. And if it's not going so well, if it's like 50-50, then maybe split off the channel or maybe make that harder decision. But I would look at like how much you have invested, how much revenue it's bringing in, whether you're going to look at it long term or not, and then like make as an informed decision as you can about it. Love and just it. to like your, to your the part of your question is, yes, if you private delete videos, they go out of people's watch history. One of the biggest ways YouTube recommends videos is what's in the person's watch history. So if you remove those videos, they come out of the watch history and that person is less likely to be recommended future videos, which you might want in some circumstances, but just be aware of like what happens with your actions. That's a great point, right? Yeah. Because um, people think the algorithm is an adversarial thing. And, and like you said, replace algorithm with audience yeah. YouTube is constantly, why would YouTube not want your content to succeed? If people like watching it, if it's giving them that satisfaction, let's say they're sticking around long. You know, I love Mr. Beast kind of, hey, YouTube's very simple. You just have to get people to click, get them to watch yeah. and get them to watch more. And so yes. if you really follow those three things, even though I, who's been running businesses for 30 years, I still think YouTube is one of the hardest things on the planet to do, rightly so. Uh, it takes a ton of hard work, as you know, Renee, and most people in yes. our audience know. Um, it really comes down to those three simple things, right? And so it's not looking at these mechanisms at, as, as adversaries. They're there to help. So as long as you understand that and create content that is catered towards your audience, you're going to get the help that you need. Last yeah. question. Oh, and there's, Renee, there's a and then, really and good I, part I, of that. You know what? If you want Renee to come back, let me know in the comments. Maybe we'll get Renee uh, uh, down the line. How many people want Renee to come back? to the show for maybe a part two. Let me know in the comments, replay viewers, you as well. Did you want to add something, Renee? Yeah, really quick. Cause one of the questions we get a lot is if I do a bad video, is the algorithm going to punish me? And it's, it's exactly what you said before. YouTube doesn't look at like the video. It doesn't tend to look at the video or the uh, like 
channel level, like we, sorry, the creator level, we look at like the channel and the topic level, because just like if you make one video that doesn't resonate with your audience, it doesn't mean the next video won't be the best video in the history of YouTube. Like there's no way to predict those sorts of things. And we really want to get the best videos in front of the people who are going to enjoy them the most. So if like, if you decide to like test a topic or try some adjacent piece of content, or you just like make a bad video it happens to everybody. It's it, no one's going to punish you for that. Like the chances of your next video succeeding is every bit as much as if you never made that video. So don't be afraid of that sort of thing. Love it. And then last question, Renee, in your vast experience and your vast knowledge, and now with your new role, what is the one thing that you can give our audience that has stuck with you throughout the years? You're like, gosh, that's really, really good. And it's just stuck with you that you can maybe impart to our Nez Nation audience to help them, you know, uh, make YouTube their ally. Yeah. So I already did, but my favorite is the algorithm is the audience. You know, that, that's my favorite. We talked about that already. So the other one I really liked when Marquez Brownlee was talking to uh, Jimmy Donaldson, MKBHD and, and Mr. Beast. And he said, like, what is your advice? And Jimmy said, no matter what you want on YouTube, whether it's subscribers or views or like anything that you want, make better videos. There is, that will bring you everything. If you focus on making the best videos possible and you're always working on making a better video, that is going to give you everything you want. And I think there's just so much opportunity for distraction on YouTube. Like so many like side quests maybe that like get our focus off of that. But if we just make, amazing videos and we work on making those videos better mm. and better. And like, not just what's your idea of a great video. What's your idea of a great video? So like, again, it's going to depend on individual taste, but like a video where like I see a thumbnail, it intrigues me. Like basically it lives rent free in my head until I click mm. on it. And then I click on it and it immediately delivers on the promise of that thumbnail. So like I hit it and it's like, like, you won't believe this. I click it. I see something I don't believe. And that sets up a story that takes me on a journey. And then at the end of that, I feel so great that when I see those pop-ups at the, at the one, like, I want to watch that one next. That to me is like an amazing wow. experience because I was promised something. It was over-delivered on and it, it introduced me to something that I'm going to continue to watch and enjoy. Beautiful. I absolutely love that. So uh, a thumbnail that entices you to click, you actually get content that delivers on the promise of the title and thumbnail. And then you're so uh, engaged with the story. You're so engaged with the, uh, uh, you know, what's unfolding in the content that you're compelled to click and watch the next thing that pops up from suggested or end screens, et cetera. That is what the YouTube creator liaison, Renee Ritchie, considers a great video. And you can apply that beautifully. You can apply that to anything. If you're a cooking channel, fitness channel, how-to channel, live streamer, podcaster, it really comes down to everything. I mean, it's just about being authentic, um, actually providing a solution, actually providing a value, even if that solution or value is entertainment or just a funny cat video. There isn't a niche that can't be successful. Um, I've seen it personally. I've had clients that have come from, you know, uh, um, just a knitting niche to, you know, a, a, a South African uh, a dance to Lithuanian wrestling. I mean, it's literally, there's a niche for everything. And so there is Absolutely. nothing that you enjoy doing. As Renee said earlier, go with your passion, follow your passion and, and what ignites you. There's literally nothing out there. I mean, is there something out there, Renee? It's like, no, don't do videos on that. <laughs> No, I mean, there's like, there's like community guidelines, like they, they of course, have to respect. Of course, yes. Yeah. yeah. But other than that, and then it's just like, be realistic with your expectations and 
create your model. Like some things are uh, like we, I, I live in Montreal and we have just for laughs. Uh, like we, those are like, there are videos about pranks um, and there's no audio. So like they're universal. People can watch them anywhere and laugh at them anywhere. So the audience for that is incredibly broad. And then there's incredibly niche things like maybe uh, like Eastern Ontario stone painting where you're not going to get 240 million views on that content, but maybe you'll get like as many views as possible and you'll create a whole craft career around it that has products and like, uh, like available to it and affiliates and like all these things. And you can make an amazing career out of them. So it's just like understand like broad versus narrow appeal, the kind of business, the model that you have to build to support those things. And then again, be kind about your, like be, be like um, realistic with your goals and kind with your ability to, to, uh, to deliver on them. So, Hey, Renee, the verdict's in. Everybody wants you back. Awesome. <laughs> it's certainly I love better this than the comment opposite from result. here. I love watching his shorts. I do too. Ah, thank you. And by the way, again, we're going to leave a link and, and Renee, I want you to, uh, uh, you know, kind of have a last say, uh, before you, before we end this. Um, but yeah, we're going to leave links to, I think a channel that everybody should subscribe to, which is the YouTube creator liaison channel. Uh, Renee still, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Renee, you, you did say earlier that you still upload to your Renee Ritchie, uh, uh, uh YouTube channel, which has what, like yep. a billion subscribers now. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I haven't had as much time exaggerating. to work on that channel, but I still, I still want to do it because like I said, I want to feel the pain of creators every week. Yeah. Yeah. So Renee, uh, I just want to say, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. On behalf of the entire nez nation family um i really really appreciate you this has been a kind of a long time uh, uh interview in the making i know we've had some uh, uh interruptions as we all do you know just being alive and being humans and things come up so i'm so grateful that you actually were able to make it today we've got a ton ton of great help and great information helping us with youtube is there anything that you want to I want to give you the floor Anything you want to say uh, 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 to our audience or anything at all before we get out of here, Renee, the floor is yours. No, oh, just thank you so much for having me on. And thank you community for all the great uh, questions and all the great insight. And please, please just keep it coming. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Renee, for being here. I'll let you go and we'll, uh, I'll, I'll kind of close out the show. Don't go anywhere yet. I want to talk about a few things, but again, Thank you. Thank you so much, Renee. And hopefully we can get you back on the show. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Awesome. Okay, guys. Well, hey, that was absolutely phenomenal. If you're just joining us, make sure you watch the replay because this was, I mean, a historic show. I mean, there are some gems in there. My, my uh, uh, repurposed brain is going crazy with the amount of content that I'm going to get out of this live stream podcast. Um, because Mr. Renee Ritchie, the YouTube creator liaison, absolutely dropped atomic bombs of value on our Nez Nation audience. If this is the kind of stuff that you enjoy, if you're like Nez, I love hearing how I can grow my business, grow my content creation business, get more views, get more subscribers, monetize. You're listening and watching the Creator Economy podcast. This is the greatest show, helping you earn more, grow faster, and stress less in the greater economy. The best way to do that is to become an insider. It's absolutely free. So in the show notes, in the pinned comment, and in the description, we absolutely want you to become a Nez Nation insider. This is your sure-proof way of never missing out on another show, live stream, contest, giveaway, new video, 
all the best information that you and I need so we can earn more, grow faster in the creator economy. So this is what this show is all about. Don't forget to become a Nez Nation insider. I love every single one of you. We're going to try to get uh, Renee back according to, uh, uh, you know, the feedback that we've been getting. I mean, we have to have a part two, right? I mean, we absolutely have to have a part two of this guy. I love you guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. And we'll see you next time. Don't forget, we go live every single week. Become an insider so you don't miss out. Love y'all. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Oh, 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 oh,